Welcome to My Classic Soul, the podcast dedicated to the best soul and R&B music throughout the decades. In our latest episode, SoulMusic.com founder David Nathan and distinguished entertainment journalist Janine Kovney, former R&B music editor at Billboard magazine, discuss the 1977 self-titled first album by the iconic group Chic and the impact of the group beyond that groundbreaking debut LP. David and Janine share about the approach that Nile Rodgers and Bernard Edwards took in creating a distinctive sound that impacted the whole disco and dance music scene of the 1970s and beyond. Let's join David and Janine as they share their thoughts about Soul Music Hall of Fame 2020 Lifetime Achievement Awardees, Chic. Hi, Janine. How are you today? Hey, David. How are you? Good to see you again. You too. You're looking, you're looking dapper and ready for our subject today. Totally ready. Dis- disco down and ready, okay? Well, you see, that's a big clue to what we're about to talk about, which is uh, an amazing uh, group that made such a groundbreaking impact when they first came out. And uh, resonates still today. This is a group that can still sell out stadiums. Now, you know, there are not many groups that really started out back in the late 70s that could say that. And so I'm really excited that we're talking today about chic. And I probably should have just a little bit more chic-like, but oh, well, here we are. (laughs) All right. So, um, Let's find out. Let's start with uh, your first uh, recollection of hearing Sheik, Sheik's music. And then I'm going to share a little bit about my first introduction to the group and uh, how I got to spend time with them over the first uh, couple of years of their phenomenal career. Okay. Well, I think I should start out by reminding your audience, David, that I am from New York City. And when the Chic first album came out. It was at the height of disco culture, the disco um, craze in New York. And um, Chic was disco, but they were a little different. They were a little bit different. They were more sophisticated. Their musicianship was unbelievable. And they were so New York to me. And at that time, when they first came out, I was just getting ready to go to college. So that was prime teenage years. And I was really into music. So Chic made a big impression on me, particularly with um, Yowza, 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 Dance, 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 um, because it sounded different than anything on the radio. And that's what I remember first hearing from them was that record. So, um, and also because of the phrase yowza, 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 which some people may remember was a rallying cry um, for a band leader from the 1920s. And that Mm -hmm. phrase went on into the 1930s through the Depression era as people were Mm -hmm. dancing to forget their troubles. So you have the 70s, we've just come out of the recession. So people were dancing their lives away in the disco and doing many other things to forget. (laughs) So that record was right on time. So that's my first impression. Yeah. Well, my my impression is kind of is is similar in one sense. I was living in New York at the time, 
uh, at the time that you're talking about. So we were probably, well, I'm sure we were in the same city at the same time in different places, clearly. Um, but, you know, um, my, my recollection of, uh, of Sheik um, is actually from the first interview I did with them. Uh, and that really was um, prompted by uh, the first record they had, which, as you mentioned, uh, of course, first single that really took off was Dance, 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 Yowza, Yowza, Yowza. And uh, as I recall, that interview was set up um, by a lady, a, a publicist at New York, at Atlantic Records in New York, Simo Doe. I remember Simo. Simo Doe, yes. And uh, um, the interview took place actually with Nile Rogers and Bernard Edwards as the co-founders and the really the, the, the kind of mainstays, the, 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 the creative nucleus of Chic in terms of production and songwriting. Of course, the group itself had many talented uh, members. So while it's true to say that Niall and Bernard were the anchors, so to speak, there were many people who were involved in the Chic organization, even from the beginning, who contributed greatly to the sound and to the presentation and to everything. However, when I met them, they were just simply, this was like really at the beginning. And, and I, one of the things that uh, I went back and checked uh, was that they, they referenced the fact that the first sing, the first record, that, um, yeah, uh, Dance, Dance, Dance was part of a demo of six songs. Mm-hmm. And they had um, been to a Billboard disco convention, I think in 1976, trying to, you know, hawk the record around, trying to find out who, who, who which record company would, would, would bite. You know, because back in those days, of course, that's, that was the only thing you could do. You, there was no, you know, there was no, like, put your own records out. It was all, you know, I've got to get a deal, blah, blah, blah. So apparently what happened, um, which was mentioned in the interview we did, um, they managed to get a, quote, bite, so to speak, from Buddha Records, who put out, a uh, the seven inch and then twelve inch version of Dance Dance Dance, uh, and actually looking at the original uh, record, it seems that the flip side was uh, the very beautiful um, instrumental Sao Paulo, which of course also ended up on the Atlantic uh, first album by Sheep with Dance Dance Dance. Well, anyway, the bottom line is that uh, that uh, as as they told the story. They were really disappointed. Lyle and Bernard were disappointed with the kind of uh, response. The Buddha didn't seem to be able to really get it all the way out there. And they really believed in this song. And they thought it should get to a bigger audience. And they got the recording to Jerry Greenberg at Atlantic Records, at the time president of Atlantic Records. And uh, I guess him and, and they actually had a burgeoning dance music department at Atlantic just beginning. I mean, you know, you have to go back yeah. to that time period. You know, disco wasn't like it was just beginning to like surface, even though for some of us, we had been dancing in clubs to what people called disco, disco. before that. You know, I mean, I go yeah. back to like I go back to uh the first choice, armed and extremely dangerous, and right. Express, do it till you're satisfied. Like and, 73, uh, 74 even. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. yeah exactly. You know, uh, average white band pick up the pieces. I mean, these were all records that were part of the of the kind of fabric of what became disco. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we even called it that. I don't know. We just said it was dance music. We didn't say, oh, just, let's go to the disco. I don't remember ever saying that at that point. So then anyway, 
to fast forward, um, you know, they knew, Niall and Bernard knew that this record had much more potential than it seemed that Buddha could offer in terms of promoting it. And so here comes Jerry Greenberg and Atlantic. And uh, the next thing we know, you know, uh, Dance, Dance, Dance is like massive, like blowing up, so to speak, yeah. all over the all over the clubs, all over uh, the U.S., and then, of course, into Europe. And, 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 and so Chic now became a kind of hot property, and the first album followed, uh, which I think they began recording in 1977. Um, I think it came out in 1977, too. It did. It came out in 77. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that whole episode with Buddha was actually at the end of 76, beginning of 77. So it wasn't a long time between the initial release on Buddha, which apparently is very hard to find now. You know, I don't know how you'd even find a copy. Probably somewhere someone has one. I mean, it, it was released, but anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so that, that's it. So I, I can concur. I, I know how uh, how that how that dance, dance, dance really, you know, took off. I mean, at the time I was going to uh, clubs like the Paradise Garage and, you know, it was just like, yeah. And... Uh, Leviticus. Uh, yeah, Leviticus. Oh, man. <laughs> Bringing back the memories. Yes, yeah. yes. So let, let's talk some more about that first album. So so you heard Dance, Dance, Dance. Um, do you recall buying or hearing the first album? I, I, I think I did buy it because all of the songs are familiar with to me and and I know that sounds strange like not remembering if I bought it but I you know I used to truck down to Corvette's department store and like buy armfuls of albums when I got my paycheck for my um summer work uh job so <laughs> and then people would borrow it so it's like where's my album but yes I do remember it and I remember that that was kind of like the music of the summer, like it, it, you heard it everywhere, not just Yowza, 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 but um, Champalo also, um, and other tracks on the, on the album as well, such as um, the other track that I really loved was You Can Get By. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it, I just love the, the melody to that record. It has all the chic instrumental hallmarks. And um, I believe they did release it as a club single also, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mm-hmm. as well known as uh, uh, Yowza, 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 or Everybody Dance. Which, is which of course, I was going to say, we can't forget Everybody Dance because right. that was like that was mo- like massive, massive club record, massive crossover record. I mean, just, you know, it was just an anthem. And um you know, I'm reminded, uh, Janine, of, of having had the opportunity, and I think it would have been, hmm, let me think when it would have been, I think it was more like 78, it wasn't 77, but sometime in the early part of 78, I remember uh, going to a rehearsal, uh, a chic rehearsal. And, and at that time, you know, it was um, Niall and Bernard, Raymond Jones, um, Tony Thompson, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, and the female vocalist, Lucy, Girl. Lucy, Norma Jean, Alpha. I'm forget, I'm forget, it's a musician I'm forgetting, but I'll have to look who it is in a moment. But uh, anyway, I remember going to this rehearsal. There was a rehearsal studio on 52nd Street between 8th and 9th. And I lived on 56th Street between 8th and 9th. And a friend of mine ran the rehearsal studio 
his name was Josh Pridgen. And on uh, it, it, he was there, you know, the evenings, most times just sitting around waiting for bands to show up. But we talk on the phone and, you know, come by, you know. And I, and I just go and sit and hang out with him. And this one night, uh, you know, Sheik is rehearsing. And who's there but Luther, Luther Vandross, who, of course, they'd known. And, and these are all part of the same kind of group of people in New York who were, who knew each other. And Luther was um, working with Norma Jean, Alpha and Lucy on their on their vocal harmonies, and it was just it was just like yeah because I didn't know at the time that I was in the presence of this amazing moment in history, you know because they're just like riffing and trying to figure, figure yeah. out how they do things on stage because it's one thing to be able to make a great record, but to be able to then translate it into performance is a whole nother thing. So yeah, but I do remember everybody going and, and just the impact of that whole album. Uh, was phenomenal. Absolutely. Over to you, over to you, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because um, the members of the band had been around New York for quite a while, they had been on stage a lot in different iterations. They they had started at, together as a band and kind of morphed and changed, and so they knew their stagecraft. And I think the amazing part was more recreating it in the studio and, and their, um, you know, Bernard and um, Niles production skills were, were really what was amazing to me about it and made the album stick out in my ear because of the way that they layered the different um, tracks with each instrument. And if you were a dancer, you know, there's people who listen you know, because they like the music. There's people who listen to the lyrics and there's people who dance like you and I, and, and there's little nuances that producers can put into the record as it goes on that layer and layer and layer and just push you to keep moving. And that first album is so, so joyful to me. Mm -hmm. it's the whole, even the lyrics are about dancing, forgetting your troubles, having yeah. faith in yourself. Um, yes. And in that sense, it's you can't sit still when you when you listen to it. And most of the fast songs, there's usually no single vocalist, just a couple of times. But it's usually they're all singing together. All the girls are singing together. So each song kind of sounds anthemic, like we can all sing these songs. They're simple yeah. songs. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's, it's deceptive. You know what I mean? It's complicated yeah. music and deceptively simple lyrics. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is that what I'm reminded of uh, when I think about how Sheik uh, branded the image, you know, the image of Sheik, you know, even the, the, yes. the name Sheik. I mean, the only group that I could think of from that same time period who also created their own kind of thing, so to speak, which was definitely what we call left of center, was a group called Dr. Buzzard's Original Savannah Band with August Darnell and... Corey Day. Corey, and Corey Day and, and, and Andy... Uh, Hernandez. Yes, yes, yes. And they also were kind of, you know, they did their own thing too. And also, I guess, to some degree, side effect. Remember the group side effect? Mm -hmm. you know, the whole kind of group dressing. And I'm thinking now the point assistants too. There's that, this whole kind of group of... of of, of artists who, you know, it wasn't just about let's just go out and make music with the styling, the way they reference previous eras, you know, the 40s, 50s. Yeah, that whole, that whole, um, you know, the, the dance, the yowza, yowza, yowza. Actually, I looked it up. I think it was Fats Waller 
I think was the band leader. I think it was uh, he was the band leader that Yowza 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 came from. I'd have to. I have that. a note. I have a note that says it's jazz violinist and radio personality Ben Burney who oh, popularized okay, it in the 1920s. Okay. Now that doesn't mean it's correct, but that's the note no, that no, no. I have um, from that. And so. Mm you think about all of that throwback to previous eras, because even when you listen to um, the, uh, the Yowza, 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 there's a reference to uh, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Yes, yes. And there's also a line that says, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. <laughs> Which, right? So that's a reference to past music, right? So there is this connection to previous eras of music yeah. and the ballroom, you know, let's dance, let's go to the swing era of big band. Chic, you know, chic, you know, with the partner, you know, dressed up, you know, top and tails, and the whole kind yeah. of, that whole kind of, you know, I, I think that was brilliant, you know, that's brilliant. Absolutely. Um, in a sense, brilliant marketing. I mean, I, I know that that was, you know, Nala and Bernard were intent on creating something other than just another band that's going to make a couple of records, but really creating something that would have some uh, lasting value as well as something that you would, you would never forget after you saw Chic. It wasn't like, oh, there's some nice dance records. Because there were a lot of, of dance music artists at that time who did not, who, they were good, but they didn't really have what we'd call a, an identifiable sound. Right. And Chic definitely had the identifiable yeah. sound, the identifiable look. And part of it was even their name, the, the Frenchness of it yeah. was supposed to be this elegant, um, you know, veneer and also a way to, um, you know, popularize them on both, both shores mm -hmm. across the ocean. Yeah, sure. Let's pause for a quick break, then we'll return to David Nathan and Janine Kovny as they continue to talk about Chic, their unique live performances, and the timeless anthems Niall, Bernard, and company created. Check out In the Meantime by renowned trumpeter Willie Bradley featuring Gerald Alston, the lead singer of the legendary group The Manhattans. This jazzy groove with lyrics right on time with what's happening in the world today is on Soul Music Records, available now on all digital platforms. Yeah. Well, I think we should, we should talk also about, you know, after this initial success of that first album. Um, of course, then we have the second album, Say Chic, which actually was even bigger, like massive, yeah. massive platinum album, like totally takes off from where the, the previous one went and, uh, and, and just really uh, also, I think, for many people uh, showed the div a diversity that while it was hinted at in that first album, you got the full range of it in that second album. You know, I Want Your Love, um, you know, the, of course, the big hit, you know, Le Freak, uh, yeah. and, and Last Time in Free was one of my favorite ballads. You know, so the thing that, that I loved about the second album in particular was that it showed even more of the versatility, uh, that, that you, you have these great vocals, like, you know, I just mentioned uh, um, the, those two particular ballads that were, were, were amazing. But then you've got Le Freak, which, of course, 
you know, I mean, became like anthemic throughout the whole world, you know, really, really took, and you know, she was were very much the, you could say the leaders as a band of uh, what we would call, you know, the disco dance music. I mean, of course, there were a lot of solo artists we've talked about, uh, reference a couple of them, but I mean, you know, there's Gloria Gaynor, there's, um, you know, Grace Jones, I mean, different people coming up in, 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 in that, Donna Summer, of course, you know, mostly female vocalists, I'm just noticing. Um, yeah. But, you know, here comes a our band. Yeah, I but uh, here comes a proper band that, when I say proper band, musicians, um, and then they take it to the stage. And I mean, you know, I think one of the indelible impressions that uh, is with me about Sheik was seeing the three female vocal, three female violinists on stage. Mm-hmm. That was like, oh no, oh okay, okay, this is like. Wow, this is like out. This is like out, like, whoa, what is this? And it was really, you got to think about what that, I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the Sheik concerts at that time. I'm imagining modestly that you might have been too young to to go to those concerts. Well, I I saw one show um, by them, I believe, in New York, but (laughs) that time is a little muddled. I was in my college years, okay? So college years were full of disco, fun, activity, hanging out, partying. So some of it is muddled. But but (laughs) I agree with what you say in terms of seeing women play, because, of course, violins and the whole orchestra idea was very much a part of disco, Um, you know, to the point where it got a little schmaltzy. I mean, Barry White had the orchestra, but when you saw him on stage, it was mostly like he got all the session players who were, you know, uh, uh, moonlighting from the opera, the symphony down the street. It wasn't a lot of, um, you know, younger people or people of color. And the thing that Sheik did was wed this really strong funk bottom to this... um, you know, they had flutes, they had tubular bells, they had horns, um, in addition to strings in their music. And it really did show their arrangement abilities as a band, dang near an orchestra, but it had that bottom. Even yeah, you talk, about, yeah. talk about Nile and Bernard, but the drums, like Tony mm-hmm. Thompson, yeah. was spectacular. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you know, it's so funny. I, I just can't get that that the image out of my mind of those three female violins because the fact that they, you know, it, it, you know, that's kind of really uh, when you think about Nile and Bernard, how they were thinking. You know, they yeah. knew. I mean, they could have gotten three male violins or two male, one female. I mean, they could have done anything, right? But the fact that they got these three female violinists was like, you know, they were dressed appropriately to the, to the, to the whole chic uh, look, and, and it was. I, I just I remember it so vividly, like going, I mean, like I, you know, we didn't know until we saw the concert that that's what we would be seeing, mm. uh, and just really. Uh, just phenomenal again and I think you you referenced this when you were talking about the first album too uh, about a couple of the songs that actually was real songs I mean yes it's easy to focus on you know um everybody dance and 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 dance 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 and then on this album the freak 
and, and, and you know, just the up-tempo things. But, you know, if you listen to the quality of those ballads, I mean, you really get to see, you know, the, the artistry, you know. I mean, I still think that I want your love. I mean, to me, you know, it, yeah, it's an up-tempo. It's got this kind of nice groove to it. But, it, but just mm-hmm. the song, I, I mean, I think that's kind of in my top five chic favorites. Wow! Yeah. Do you, do you remember the second album much? You you, you have much recall of it, or you know what? I um the first album made more of an impact on me than the second album, but mm. um I I'm not a fan of the vocals. I'll be honest. Uh, much as I love Sheep, <laughs> when somebody takes the mic to sing, mm. I'm like. Uh, I'll just wait for the chorus to, you know, <laughs> the thing about the songs is the lyrics were wonderful and the performances, you know, are committed, but I didn't like those solo voices. I'm like, where's Luther? Like, <laughs> you know, but he, he couldn't sing, um, the lead on those because I'm sure he was, he had his other commitments as well. So, um, but yeah. I do like I Want Your Love, and I like I do like Falling in Love with You. I remember many parties mm. slow dancing to Falling yeah. in Love with You. All I want to do, now that I've given you my heart, please be gentle, which you know, means a lot when you're 17 or 18. It looks like it means a lot when you're 25, 26, no. 27, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 45. Well, let's not keep going. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you think I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm kind of like thinking about, as you're talking about the, the first album and the second album, the joyfulness. There's a, there is a joy, yes. We're talking about the ballads, I Want Your Love, and At Last I'm Free, and just some of the ballads, which are not quite as, you know, there, there, there's a message in the lyrics. But the general feeling of those albums is joy. It is. And just prepping for this show to talk about Sheep with you, David, and just, you know, it'd been a while since I'd listened to that music. And I was in my own heaven, you know, listening to the music and remembering how excited I love the bass. Most people who yes. know me know yes. I love the electric bass. Yes. And, um, you know, that rhythm guitar. This is wonderful and each song was just made me go i remember (laughs) it it gave me chills and so i'm so appreciative and glad we got to talk about uh she you know albums are important yeah and you know just i know i I, I we're focused on those first two albums but the other thing to say is that you know by the time they go to album three you know that's when i mean it's just really like really taking up our risque and yeah. um, I, I have to be honest, um, you know, th- that is still, uh, of the first three albums, my favorite album. Um, you know, good t- of course, Good Times, which you could say in some, in some ways Good Times um, helped usher in, um, thanks to uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Sugar Hill Gang. I hope I got that right. Uh, the whole, <laughs> you know, well, Good Times. Hill, yeah. Yeah, the fact that they used a piece of Good Times on the first real rap crossover hit 
uh-huh. you know, that, 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 that's significant. But my, I mean, I still could listen to um, My Feet Keep Dancing, My Forbidden I Love. love I love my forbidden lover. I loved it. I think I it love some... those songs. Yes, yes. And I think uh, when I think about uh, and, and, and the other the other song from that album is um, actually I love them all. Constance, I love you. Will you cry when you will, will you cry when you hear this song? I mean, that's like you know that's like wow. Um, but there's something about my forbidden lover. I I, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. I must, have had, I must have had one at the time. I don't remember. Okay. Oh. Who, who was my forbidden lover in 1979? I'd have to go back and think some more about that. I don't know. What was that? Well, I, I, I was, I was, you know, 1979, I was clubbing. I was, yeah. uh, you know, I was doing, doing, do, doing the, the dance rounds on Saturday nights, you know I mean? And that was, a, you know, that was a, a fantastic time. To be in New York, to be in New York in particular. You were also writing at that time. Started. I hadn't started, um, you know, working for magazines or covering music. I was just a fan at that time. So yeah, and you know what was what was brilliant. I want to say also, you know, is that to watch the progress of um, of Nile and Bernard. You know, because of course after the um, Chic success. They had the opportunity to produce anybody on the Atlantic r- roster, and uh, they were given the opportunity to produce Rolling Stones, all these different people, and they opted for Sister Sledge, which of course you know led to all those an- amazing Sister Sledge hits on that first album. You know, we are family. You know, he's the greatest dancer. Which I, you know, even he's the greatest dancer. I know we're kind of veering off the subject slightly, but yeah. the point being, but he's the greatest dancer. Even if the lyrics of that song, you can hear that same kind of whole thing of like Holston, uh, Gucci, Via Rucci, the whole kind of like yeah, the whole and kind of, of the time. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole image and the whole. Thing. I mean, that was just like amazing. And and then Lost you know, in music. That was my song. Which one? Lost, oh Lost yeah. Music. Yes, lost in music. Wow, um, you know, which kind of brings me to just—I know again. I know we started out talking about the first Chic album, then we got to the second one, kind of dipped in a little bit into the third one. And now we're talking about Chic, uh, you know, yeah. Nile and Bernard and their you know ventures as producers. And um, I do have one funny anecdote to share with you. Okay, uh, which is kind of part of something that I did. I spent this one, uh, as I referenced earlier, this one. Um, uh, interview um, session. It actually lasted a few days because Atlantic, you know, back in those days, it was like, you know, wanted a lot of cover stories and a lot of coverage for Chic in Europe because Blues and Soul was a, a British publication. So they flew me out to um, Los Angeles. I was checking. I stayed at the Sunset Marquee with the band. <laughs> and I was having a good old, I mean, you know, this, I, I haven't been in, in New York for four years. So I was, you know, this is like a big deal to me to have the opportunity to go, you know, spend like a day or, you know, a, a couple of days with the band. You know, we ate together. We had lunch together. I mean, you know, I went to the rehearsals. I went to the Merv Griffin show with them. I mean, it was just wow. like phenomenal and really got to talk to them about how they were building their careers and how she could come together as a group. Uh, you know, I got to talk to all of them, you know, Lucy and, and Norma Jean and everybody that was involved. Um, but particularly memorable is that after they did this taping at the Merv Griffin show, 
that Niall and Bernard were going out to meet Aretha Franklin in Encino, which is where she lived at the time. And um, they had created a a batch of songs to present to her. And and they knew that I had interviewed her and I knew her from years of doing interviews with her and stuff. And I I vividly, I mean, it's like yesterday, I can remember uh, the two of them kind of cornering me and saying, listen, David, we're about about to go out to Encino. We haven't met Aretha before. You know, know, how, how should we really... How should we present ourselves to her? I mean, you know, they, she knew she, she knew they were coming. I said, well, here's the thing you should know about Aretha. She's, she's going to be polite with you. She's not going to be like, oh, it's so great to see you. She's going to be you know, polite, a little guarded because she doesn't know you, and she's going to listen. But she's not going to – don't expect her to be like, oh, yeah, Nalan Bernard, I know you've had all these things. She's not going to be like that. And true to form, she wasn't. Okay. And they played her – uh, some of the songs that they had planned that they thought she would like, uh, including um, uh, uh, Upside Down, uh, including um, including Tenderness, including, um, I don't know if I'm Coming Out was on that batch of songs, but they played, they, they took some songs with them, and I think they played a few of them on the piano, and, you know, they they, they played whatever tracks they had for her to listen to. And Miss Franklin politely said, you know, they sound good. You know, she wasn't, she wasn't, she she just said, but I'm not sure if these are really for me because this is more like, you know, I I think I would be more like being an extension of chic rather than, you know, she just had, she just didn't quite hear herself in the songs. And she wasn't wrong. She wasn't. Well, she wasn't wrong from a standpoint, from an artistic standpoint. Uh, but let me just say that when they came back, I remember they came back to the hotel and I, I didn't see them that night, but the next morning they said, well, you don't know how it went, you know, and they were kind of a, a little bit, a little bit, you know, crushed because yeah. this is the queen of soul. This is like the biggest uh, artist on the Atlantic roster, had been the biggest artist on the Atlantic roster in terms of, you know, black music. And they really wanted to, you know, they, the idea of producing Aretha back then would have been such a like a coup, right? Well, since she pretty much passed on it, she ended up doing an album with Van McCoy, which was her last album for Atlantic called La Diva, which probably was fitting given how she responded to Niall and Bernard. And what do you think Niall and Bernard did with the songs? Yeah, uh, yeah. Took it they to took them to another Detroit diva. Diana Ross, who turned them into anthems, biggest solo record of her career at that time. I mean, just blew it up, you know, or everywhere. And I think I know later on someone asked Aretha, you know, do you regret that you didn't take the songs? And she said, no, she said, they just weren't for me. So, as it turned out, you know, the, the planned Aretha songs turned into Diana Ross' uh, timeless anthems. Right. Yeah. But, but I, think that, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I think that idea of their productions being extensions of the Chic brand is, mm. is very true, you know, because even the Sister Sledge stuff, and Diana does bring her own flavor yeah. to those tracks. But they're immediately identifiable as as yeah. chic as the chic yeah. sound, 
So the fact that it is transferable to better singers than Sheik is not surprising (laughs) to me. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm sure Nile is going to hear this this lovely podcast, and I'm sure he might might send us a little comment. You never know. Oh, Oh, yes. (laughs) I love Nile. I have always wanted to meet him, and I never had the pleasure but as you were talking about, you know, we always think of these production teams, Niles and Bernard, you know, Nile and Bernard, and then you have, um, you know, Jam and Lewis and Ellie and Babyface, and there's always one who's a talker and one who's not. So I was mm-hmm. wondering if during your time with Sheik, you found that d- dynamic between the two of them, because I know Nile is a talker, but yeah. how did you find Bernard, who's no longer with us? I would say that, you know, when they were together, you know, they, they pretty much were, they both participated in the conversations. If it wasn't like um, one talk more than the other. I think that Niall was more of an extrovert in, yeah. in ways. And I remember, um, you know, that, um, you know, just have one other memory associated with Niall specifically, which is uh, after he had done the Diana Ross um, recordings, um, we didn't live that far from each other in Manhattan. And mm-hmm. so he called me up and said, you know, we'll come over and I just want to play you some of the roughs of the Diana Ross album. And I, well, you can imagine, I was like, whoa. So he was a little more, I, I, I said, no, I was a little bit more outgoing in that respect. But no, Bernard definitely, you know, participated in the conversations. He wasn't like this silent partner. And okay. you're right, they're different personalities. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the one of the things, I mean, to com, com, conclude our, our conversation, because obviously we could go on, Talk yeah. about and their development and, and and all the different aspects of dance music. So maybe a future podcast we can talk about some of the other heroes and heroines of dance music. Yes, um, yes. To say that um, you know the most uh, phenomenal aspect of Chic is that um, today here we are, you know, all these decades later, the music of of, of Nile and Bernard and those classic hits still resonate. I mean, I went to see. Uh, to see Sheik about two years ago, I think it was, yeah, at O2, in, it, which is a massive stadium in London. There are 30,000 people. I mean, that's a lot of people. And that place was packed, Janine, to the rock. I mean, Shaka Khan was a special guest, but she had planned to be on another show, and it, whatever happened, she was on this one. And uh, But they, you know, Sheik, man, I mean, they just... It was like you'd think you were at a really like a rock concert, and, <laughs> and, and really because the kind of crowd that was there for that sheet concert really was, you know, all kinds of ages, you know, everyone, every every community. I mean, everybody. They were they were just really, and you know, the thing that I'm I, I'm thinking about that really is the essence of what you said early on in, in the conversation. It's feel-good music. It's joyful music. And that transcends time. Everything. Absolutely. It's music about the wonders of music. All right. And the wonders of life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love and happiness. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Janine. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I I love our conversations. I always think they're very engaging. I do, too. And we'll have to come up with another topic. Again, let's think of another. I've just thought of one for future reference, a couple. We could do okay. the, we could do Grace Jones. 
and other uh, other dance divas. <laughs> I'll have to get out another divas. disco outfit. Yeah, you, know? you, you get a big Grace Jones hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank take you so care. much. Okay, bye. Thank you, David and Janine. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And visit us for breaking news and daily updates about your favorite soul and R&B artists at soulmusic.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on My Classic Soul.